This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Raw Reaction series. Joining you the morning after Arsenal's 2-1 defeat to RC Lens in the Champions League group stage in what was a very, very disappointing night. Uh, apologies if the connection's not particularly great. Apologies if the image isn't particularly great. I am, as I say, in, in the hotel um, the morning after the game and I'm working off of some very poor connectivity. Um, so I'm hoping that you can hear me at least at an absolute minimum um, and that you can kind of interpret some of what I'm saying. Um, and I'm hoping it's going to be coming across a little bit more coherently uh, than maybe Arsenal's understanding of one another did last night on the field, which led to a number of uh, frustrations in the game. Uh, it is going to be a shorter show. And it is also going to be something of a, a kind of a, a quick look back at yesterday's game. And also we'll be doing a lot more in-depth and detailed breakdown probably tonight. I'll probably be hosting a podcast when I'm back in the UK um, and ready to take on the day. And a lot more, uh, kind of a lot more, what's the word I'm looking for? Efficiency, I guess. Um, but good morning to everybody joining us. Thank you so much, everybody, for doing so. It really means the absolute world. I can see so many of you in the chat box. Uh, Kirill, Jason, Tyron. Uh, Nav, uh, let's go to uh, scroll up in the chat box. Uh, to be fair, Blackshine, Answer, Red Star, Derek, Martin. Uh, good morning to all of you. Uh, thank you for joining me. There is no good place to to do the the pod. There's like a desk or anything either. So this is I'm just sitting on the bed with a microphone on a stand and the laptop in front of me. So yeah, it's it's not the most the most probably rudimentary form of podding I've ever done. Um, but we're going to talk about yesterday's game. There isn't a slideshow to necessarily go through because time-wise it's just not been feasible. Um, but we'll take a few of your questions in part two. But just to kind of give you my thoughts, uh, yesterday was a hell of a day. Journey-wise wasn't particularly the best. Uh, lots of things went down and happened that I'm not particularly happy about. But that's a story for another day. The game didn't exactly improve moods, although it did at the start. Gabriel Jesus scoring 
a very good goal, a fantastic finish. Great ball from Saka inside, um, kind of shifting the ball into his right foot before finishing across the keeper. Some of the clinical finishing that we've been kind of asking for from Gabriel Jesus for quite some time. Uh, he only had one other real big chance, which is when the ball fell to him on the left-hand side of the box and he skied his first-time effort over. That's, again, one of those moments where you kind of want um, a better composed finish. But... I guess you can't have your cake and eat it because the, the chance he did take in the first half was very good. And Arsenal were already under the, under the cosh by this point. We were already conceding chances. Thomason looked very, very dangerous. And he had a couple of opportunities go astray before actually getting his first shot and, of course, the first goal on target. It came from a frustrating David Raya uh, mistake. I've seen, I've seen kind of a mix of views on this. I've seen some people suggesting that Raya was not at fault. I've seen some people suggesting Tommy Asa was at fault. For me, I think that David Raya plays a pass into an area that's perhaps not as safe as he perceives it to be um, and that we could have been a little bit more safer with the choice. And with the benefit of hindsight, that's really easy for us to say. Um, but the equaliser that comes from that is really well worked by Lawrence. Fantastic layoff by El Yawahi, who had a brilliant game overall. And then Thomason with a fantastic strike that Raya could do absolutely nothing about. Um, and uh, it was a fantastic finish. And from that point, it just felt as though that the, the Lawns atmosphere, the crowds, the, the aura around the game was going to carry Lawns through uh, to whatever result it was going to be. And it didn't, it, it kind of always felt like it was heading in one direction. And the loss of Bakaya Saka to injury really helped shift that momentum even further in the favour of the home side. Uh, we weren't able to kind of wrestle uh, any kind of control back. Fabio Vieira wasn't able on that right-hand side to offer anywhere close to what Bakaya Saka can. They're stylistically different. It's not like a criticism of, of Vieira. He's just not a right winger for me. He's just so much more of an attacking midfielder. Again, square peg, round hole and needs must because we just don't have the depth in that right wing position. So that was incredibly frustrating as well. Um, and obviously then in the second half, we did concede that second goal. It comes from a fantastic move, you have to say again from Lons. Um, But we'd had a warning of this move. Gabriel uh, Magalaj gave the ball away. I think it was Frankowski with the cross in the first half as well that uh, Abdel uh, Samed hit wide. And that was kind of a bit of a warning sign at that stage. But uh, again, across on the right-hand side, finds Wahi, who finishes really, really well. Him showcasing his abilities and his talents, the reason why he was linked with Arsenal, I suppose, in the summer. Um, but some really frustrating moments for Arsenal. Um, and ultimately, that, that Saka injury has overshadowed the night in its entirety. I did do the show yesterday when I talked about the kind of the team that I would use. And, you know, I don't think there's too many people that... Uh, are necessarily out there saying that they would have rested Saka. I can put my hands up and say that I was. I, I did my preview show and I looked through the team that I wanted to see you in the game and I wanted to rest players for this. I wanted to rotate players for this. I just felt that with the, you know, with the game against Man City coming up this weekend, Arsenal, it was in their interest to rest more players than we did. I get points from people suggesting that you can't afford to do that in an away game in the Champions League group stage. But the risk that we've taken is that we've we've not really rested any players. We've gone very strong and we've come out empty-handed and even worse than empty-handed. We've seen one of our best players uh, and their availability potentially ripped away from that game against City. Saka is 
very durable. He does come back from these knocks quickly when he receives them. And it seems, though, that this one was more muscular. Mikel Arteta said that he felt something after trying a, a back heel, which certainly sounds muscular. And that's going to be a frustration for him to try and come back from. Um, some people suggested maybe a hamstring issue. I've not been able to confirm those claims, but there were suggestions that maybe hamstring was something that was mentioned. But again, don't take, don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure as to the, the details behind it. Uh, we spoke to, to Martin Odegaard after the game and you'll be able to get some quotes from him around midday UK time on his thoughts of the injury and his thoughts on playing without Saka. But uh, overall, a very, very frustrating, um, very frustrating evening and night and day overall as well for Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go to part two because I feel like your comments and questions are going to spark more from me um, than I can do without the benefit of having that slideshow. But uh, let's go to part two and your questions and your thoughts and comments right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box then and uh, and see what you guys have been saying. I'm going to scroll up and see what some of your comments have been whilst I've been talking as well. Uh, Junior Gunner says, it's not the end of the world, I guess. United have zero points in the group with Galatasaray and Copenhagen, but we've butchered our midfield massively barring the Rice signing. There is a blatant Xhaka hole. Now, Havertz obviously missed our opportunity on that left-hand side. We had that volley. He played in Trossard. And Trossard, I think, should have done better with that opportunity. Again, Havertz could have had an assist in that moment. But it was very difficult to kind of, again, see that real strong and obvious impact from Havertz. It feels like many, many games, it's, it's needing a rewatch really, to see um, what Havertz is, is really bringing. Because it's not, it's not entirely obvious to the majority of people, which makes it very difficult to jump on board. I think he did some good things. I think he made some good challenges and tackles. And there was that pass, as I say, to Trossard to set up an opportunity. But it's it's difficult to, to see the obvious impact at times that Havertz is making. And there is a very obvious Xhaka hole, you're right, Junior Gunner, in uh, that midfield, that's for sure. Nick says, Lon's played well and it's a fierce stadium. And, and that is the thing you've also got to say is that um, Lon's played incredibly well. Uh, they played fantastic football. They were combative. They were not uh, overawed by the occasion of Arsenal coming to the grounds. Their fans were superb, absolutely fantastic in the game as well. And you do have to give credit to the opponent. You have to give credit to their players about how they manage things. And Arsenal will hopefully be able to take advantage of that when they arrive at the Emirates 
in a few weeks' time. Uh, Thorat says, Tom, last season you mentioned Arteta needs to improve his in-game management. At the moment, have you seen any improvements since then? Because it's hard to say that he has, in my opinion. Well, he made changes against Fulham that obviously helped give us the lead, but sadly we had that issue in which we uh, conceded towards the end. Obviously, the changes that we made against Manchester United helped us to win that game as well. It's very easy in isolation to forget changes that are made in games that then lead to um, positive outcomes that have happened some time ago. And it's very easy to focus on the in-game management that has not gone so well for us. And I felt as though the substitutions at Bournemouth came too late and we could have subbed Saka earlier. I mentioned that on the breakdown that we did of that game. And with this game, again, I'm not sure it's necessarily in-game management. I don't think it was in-game management that was the issue. For me, it was the selection overall. I would have made more changes. And I've said that before this game. So it's not just me saying it with the benefit of hindsight. I said it yesterday morning when we did the mini preview. I would have made more changes ahead of this game. And I would have started more uh, rotational figures to rest players. If you think about last season, Man City had a Champions League game before they played Liverpool. Who did they rest? Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland was rested in a Champions League game ahead of a match against Liverpool in the Premier League. And of course... That is what Arsenal could have done, and sadly they didn't. The irony is, I think that actually Man City ended up losing that game against Liverpool. I think it was a 1-0 win to, to Liverpool in the end. I might be wrong, um, but they certainly did rest Haaland going into that fixture. But Arsenal could have rested Saka, and they didn't. And they've paid the price. And sadly, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, Darren says, Tom, in January, we need to get a striker, a backup for Saka, or a strength central midfielder, given the recent events. I still look at the central midfield as something that we really need to strengthen in. But obviously, if we can go out and get two players, I'd love to see us go out to the market and bring in some competition for Saka. I've said before that I think that a centre-forward is something that is going to be a lot more accessible in the summer rather than January. However, you could maybe go and try and tempt a Pedro Neto away from Wolves in January and see where that takes you. It's going to be expensive, but it might be a necessary move to make to bring us the depth that we need in those forward positions moving forwards. Uh, Maya says, Arteta gets more wrong than right for subs, and now it seems team selection is considering the injuries as well. Um, I think that in terms of his in-game management, we've discussed it. We've gone over this in depth for quite some time. It's certainly an area's game that he needs to improve. In terms of the team selection, though, it's just today where I'm really looking at the question mark about Saka starting in this game. In terms of the team selections of, of previous fixtures, the only other real burden of, of, of frustration has been Jesus not being used as a central striker more when we think that he could, maybe could have done. But it might be that we can't use Jesus as a central striker against City at the weekend because we might need to play him in that wider position and instead bring Nketiah back into the middle. Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see. I have a feeling that I might want to see Jesus played on the right, Trossard through the middle and Nelson on the left. And that's the desperation that we find ourselves in when we go into that game against City because of the injuries that we've currently got and that we've currently suffered. Uh, G says, Arteta is also forcing Havertz into the side when it's not working, and the balance of the side is skewed to attacking play. This is on the manager. Arteta has to take responsibility. I don't necessarily agree about the shoehorning of Havertz into the team. I think we have seen a gradual improvement of Havertz's contributions to the team from that midfield position. It's not about shoehorning it. It's just what we are missing, and we are missing a lot. And I think that we've missed a lot from pre-season into the start of the campaign. Durian Timber will, for me, be one of the biggest, biggest impacts of Arsenal's staggered start that has been unbeaten 
in uh, English competitions, at least now. We can't say that about all competitions, but certainly in the Premier League and in the League Cup that we've remained unbeaten. I look at that and think the Urian Timber injury has been so hurtful to our plan because all of pre-season, we used Timber. He was used in every single pre-season game that we um, that we prepared for, that he was available for. Every single preseason match, Timber was there and was being used. And we were adapting to having this, what I would say, a world-class potential talent in Timber coming into this team. And as soon as that first game hit and we lost him, we then had to adapt and change things even more than we were planning to. And then we reverted and we've had to change the systems more than once as the season has progressed. And it's just been chaotic upheaval with injuries to Timber and then Partey and then Trossard and Martinelli and, of course, now Saka. And we lost Jesus at the beginning of the season. The luck with injuries, the luck with availability of our key players has been significantly affecting us since the beginning of the campaign. And not to have a consistent 11 from the first part of this season has been hugely detrimental to trying to kind of create consistency. And that's what is very, very frustrating indeed. Um, let's go to scroll up a little bit more in the chat box. Uh, Martin says, losing Saka for sun Sunday is no way, it is way bigger an issue for us than City not having Rodri or De Bruyne. Agreed. I, I think that Rodri and De Bruyne are obviously massive players for City, but they have the depth, I think. You know, they've got a 50 million player uh, in, in Calvin Phillips. No matter what you might think of Calvin Phillips, they invested 50-odd million quid to bring in a player that can back up Rodri if he's not there. We don't have a £50 million player who's naturally there to replace Saka. And, and that is going to be a massive, massive, massive loss for us. Um, let's go to Unique says, why isn't Arteta not more uh, trying rotation? Don't you think that we could have been more um, daring in the lineup against Lons. Yes, I feel like I've said that. I feel like we could have rotated more. I said in the preview that I would have rotated more. Yes, there's the benefit of hindsight. I would have rotated more. I would have played Jorginho. I would have played Vieira from the start. I would have played Nelson from the start. Uh, I also want to talk about the right-back role. Tommy Asu, for me, is a great utility player. He offers you a lot in a lot of different positions. But I'd say that arguably his worst position in this Arsenal system is probably right back. I think that might be his worst position in terms of what he offers in all of the other roles because the left back position is more inverted and it's supportive. And I think Tommy Asu can work to a degree in that role. At centre half, he works in smaller spaces and you get a greater benefit from the, the abilities that he has. But at right back, he offers very limited amounts going forwards. He offers limited overlapping of the right back. He offers limited support, to, uh, sorry, the right winger. He offers limited passing support and one twos and triangles with the right winger. He's better on that left-hand side. He's better at centre-half. And this is, again, another thing that goes back in a nice segue to that timber loss. The loss of timber being a huge, huge blow to us as we have lost variation. I felt like we've needed to add something different into that right back position someone that can overlap more someone that can offer us more going forwards and i think timber's versatility is going to be a real asset to us in the future it won't be in the short term because we don't have him but it's why i've always been saying on the channel and throughout the summer for those that watch me throughout the summer i always said like i felt we needed someone who could overlap more i felt we needed someone who could attack the wings more and just add some variety to that fullback position now you look at city yes they play with a kanji 
in that role sometimes. But they also play a lot of games with Carl Walker. And you see what he offers them in that position. Um, you see what Trent Alexander-Arnold, despite his defensive frailties, has offered Liverpool so many times going forwards as well. So I just have so many question marks about uh, the right-back role of, of Tommy Asu when it is indeed used. Uh, and Asimos says, Tom, I really feel for, uh, like Arteta set himself back at least a year with the Havertz signing. Vieira also underwhelming in games he's needed. Can you see Arteta humbly admitting a mistake and re-evaluating? I doubt, I doubt it. I don't think that he assess the Havertz signing and say it's been a failure at this stage. What I would say is that I don't think it's set you back necessarily a year. I think that uh, we've obviously improved the squad, but we've lost key players, too many key players. We've lost so many Im important parts of this team. Martinelli, for me, is the best left winger in the league, and we've lost him. We lose Gabriel Jesus at the start. We lose Timber for the full campaign. And I just think if we'd have had some consistency in terms of our, our availability, we'd be seeing a very, very different Arsenal team by this stage. But we've not had that consistency of availability of players. And it really, really is damaging to us. Um, I think that when it comes to the Havertz thing itself, there is too much emphasis on Havertz in a game like yesterday. I didn't look at Havertz and think, yeah, he's the reason why we're not winning. He's the reason why um, we're not uh, we're not winning away at Lords. We had chances. That's the thing I haven't discussed in today's game, in, in yesterday's game, is we could have won. Tommy Ashu should score. Trossard should score. Nelson should score. Jesus should do better with that chance on the left-hand side. Havertz could do, quite, uh, could do better maybe with his chance. It wasn't like we didn't create chances. We had six shots on target in the in the game, and a lot of them were high XG uh, high XG chances, like the Tommy Asu one, like the Nelson one. We absolutely could have done and could have won yesterday's game. Um, so the chances were there. We could have done better. We could have rotated more. It's as simple as that. Paul uh, Winchester, stop your excuses, Tom. That team last night played poor. They played in the so-called Farmers League. I mean, for the record. The so-called Farmers League is nothing I've ever said before. I don't call Liga a Farmers League. I say it's not as competitive in the Premier League for sure. But let's not throw out terminology that I'd assume people, maybe even like yourself more than the Wilshire, have suggested have called the Liga the Farmers League because it's not a Farmers League. It's a, a league with plenty of physicality. It's a league with plenty of, of players that go on to play for some of the best teams in the world. And that's why France is one of the best product producers of talent that there is on the planet. And it's not about excuses. I've already said, and I started off this show by saying that Arteta should have rotated more, that we should have been better, that we should have taken chances. The thing that frustrates me is that I feel that there are sometimes individuals that do watch the show that it doesn't matter what I say, doesn't matter what I talk about, doesn't matter how I evaluate. There's a preconceived conception of what I'm going to say. And no matter what I do say, they have the same answer. So the whole excuses thing, no matter what I talk about, whether I criticise Arteta, no matter if I say that he should have he should have rotated more, he should have not have been starting Saka, he should have played differently, should have started Nelson, shouldn't have used Tommy Asso at right back, all of these things. Doesn't matter what I say. As soon as I say something like, we could have taken our chances and we're missing some key players, it's, oh, Tom, you're making excuses. It's boring, it's ridiculous, it lacks measure, it lacks objectivity. 
And it's frustrating from a content creator perspective. It's frustrating from someone who likes to be objective and grounded and look at both sides of the argument to be shoehorned like some of you accuse Arteta of shoehorning Havertz into the side. It's frustrating to be shoehorned into a category of apparently always defending the coach when that is not what I've done. When I've said that his in-game management time and time again needs to improve. His team selections can sometimes be smarter. And that we are ultimately still missing key players of this squad and that we have had inconsistencies as well. Um, I feel like I'm entitled to get frustrated about that. I feel like I'm entitled to get annoyed about it. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating at times for people not to see the bigger picture of this channel when it's trying to be more objective. I'll take on anybody in a debate always and happily see their other side of the, the coin, happily see other sides of the point of view. But you've also got to listen to mine. And you've got to listen to when I am critical and when I'm objective and when I'm supportive and measured in that approach. So it's it's frustrating. Uh, Jimbo says, it's like you don't criticise Arteta enough. For some people, they're never going to be happy. For some people, I'm never going to be able to criticise Arteta enough. Whenever I invite Arteta's biggest critics onto the channel, they never show up. Once in a blue moon do you ever get anyone that feels that I don't criticise Arteta enough coming onto the channel for a phone-in show. It doesn't happen. And I feel like I bring this up on enough shows to talk about it. But yeah, for me, it was a game of big chances and we missed ours and they took theirs and it was as simple as that. Oh, there you go. Clive in the chat. It was a game of big chances. We missed ours and Lens took theirs. Exactly what I just said. It was a game of, of massive opportunities of both teams and Lawns missed a couple of their own as well, but they importantly scored two of theirs. They scored two shots, that I had five on target. We scored one shot of six on target. And we had chances to win this game. The frustrations for me is that we didn't rotate enough of the first 11 ahead of what is a really important game. And I think that you have to look back on this, this game. And I said, and this is why I feel entitled to say it, because I said it before the game, I feel like we should have rotated more and we should have rested more. Because for me, this weekend's game is, unless we get to a Champions League final, the most important game of our season. The most important game of our season. Arsenal playing Man City at home. If the ambition is to win a title, for me, we have to beat them. We have to beat City at least once if we have a hope of winning the title. When is the best chance of beating City? The game at home. When could be another best time to beat City? When they don't have Rodri. It's a great opportunity this weekend to beat City. And I just feel as though we have taken an unnecessary risk in this game against Lons with that team selection that has backfired. And it will come back potentially to haunt us. I hope that it doesn't. I hope that Sackers shakes off whatever this is by the weekend. I'm not particularly optimistic, but I hope so. I hope that Arteta can find the team, can find the selection, find the strategy to still beat this team on Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it is lost track of time being in another country. I just hope that what we can do is find a way to win this game without some key players. And that is what is going to be very, very frustrating if we can't do, because maybe we could have avoided using some key players and rested players ahead of this game. Man City played tonight on Wednesday against RB Leipzig. That is another benefit for Arsenal is that they play later than us. They come back later than us. They have less recovery time than us. Have a look at who is starting that game against a very good RB Leipzig side. See who's starting, see who's rested, 
it's going to be very interesting indeed. Um, but uh, after they lost the last two games, maybe Guardiola will look to go strong and try and change their form somewhat because they're two games and two defeats. They won't want three and three. Um, but it's very interesting to see how they they take that game. Uh, so I look forward to having a look at that lineup and seeing how Pep manages that game. I'm going to end the show there. I've gone a little bit longer than I thought, and that mainly comes from frustration that I inevitably knew was going to happen. I would end the show by just saying, and to summarise and some key points, we could have rotated, but we did create the chances to win this game. The City game at the weekend is absolutely imperative for our season. And I think to have a hope of winning the title, we have got to try and win it. Um, avoiding defeat at all costs, but we have to try and win it. Please try to listen back to these shows and consider that it's not about making excuses for Arteta. It's not about defending things. And listen out for the times that I am critical of what I think needs to be improved in the team and in, improved in Arteta's management and selection. And then try to listen to what I think is a measured other side of the coin to bring objectivity and balance to the debate. And if you, at that point you are still incensed and frustrated by what you consider to be excuses, please reach out to me because I am more than happy to have these conversations, more than happy to have these debates. It's really easy to sit behind an avatar on a YouTube chat comment section, but I encourage you to come out and reach out and to talk about this. And maybe you can help me see what I'm not seeing on your side. And maybe I can do the same for you. But thank you for listening. Please do drop a like on the episode. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new and have a fantastic day. Stay safe, stay well, keep your mind off football for a bit. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mc delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.